0: My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. We can all get these symptoms from time to time. But if you or a loved one notice you're getting a combination of them regularly, don't ignore it. They could be signs of a brain tumour. My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. To learn more about the common signs of a brain tumour, search Better Safe Than Tumour.
1: Welcome to Let's Talk About Brain Tumours, the podcast where we'll be talking to people who've been affected by a brain tumour diagnosis, either their own diagnosis or the diagnosis of a loved one. We'll also be sharing news and updates from the Brain Tumour Charity about what we're doing to halve the harm and double survival. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Sarah and today I've got with me Chandos and Rosie. And we're going to be talking about receiving a diagnosis as a child and the difficulties and some of the complexities around receiving a diagnosis when you're a child. So we are going to have a bit of a chat today. So I'm going to let Rosie start with telling us a little bit about her story and when she got diagnosed
0: how old were you when you got diagnosed Rosie? So I was eight I was diagnosed in December 2004 for a while as like everyone the diagnosis of brain tumours are always kind of quite late and everyone has different symptoms but I, I showed a lot of virus symptoms in the autumn term and was having to take time off school and then eventually it kind of Balance showed quite a lot because um, I had a medulloblastoma, which was in the cerebellum, so it affected balance as well. Towards the end, I got quite severe headaches and that was when it was really like an eye opener that something had to be, it was just endless visits to the doctors really. And then eventually I got sent to the hospital and had a CT and MRI. And then, yeah, I shortly had surgery to remove the tumour, which removed the whole tumour which was then followed by six weeks of radiotherapy and about a year and a half of chemotherapy. And do you remember a lot of that? or I remember quite a lot of it. I think there are some parts which I don't really remember. Um, and then some things that I do remember, but my memory of it is like how I think of it now is probably quite different to how I thought of it then all I can just remember is being told that I had a lump in my head when I was first diagnosed and then being sent to hospital and that because I was sent to Southampton and they're quite good with their brain tube treatment and surgery so I, I think I just felt like I was in good hands and the doctors were always nice and as a child that's kind of your experience you just get on with it and accept it really. I think there were experiences and Memories, which I do have, which were more difficult. I think everyone's going to have those on different levels as well.
1: Were you going to
0: school at this point? Were you
1: still at school or what was
0: that like? I think it was more in the autumn time. So really from like September to December that I was going quite downhill and going to the doctors every so often. Them telling me I had a virus and just take a few days off school. So I was beginning to feel quite unwell in the autumn term and then my writing became really wobbly but my teachers were noticing this at school and I think they were saying to my parents and parents evenings or that that Rosie is lacking interest she's quite fatigued she hasn't got a usual spark in her eye she's not concentrating as well so I they they definitely noticed um there was a decline so yeah I think I was trying to go to school, school, but maybe just struggling with it before the diagnosis. And then when my treatment started in the new year, I think as soon as my radiotherapy started, I felt really unwell with that. So during my treatment, I didn't go to school much. I think occasionally my parents tried to encourage me or take me in for like an hour to see people friends in the school. I wasn't really able to go in. And then it was towards, I think, when I finished an April 2006 treatment, I think I was able to go in some mornings or afternoons. So I think I was encouraged to try and go in if I was feeling well enough, but that wasn't that often. But the support from the school was amazing. They liaised with mum and dad a lot about what was going on and because it was just a village school and down the road we could pop in and see my friends and I remember getting lots of lovely cards back and like get well soon I was always made to feel included or they tried to include me like if the run-up to Christmas or so that's similar to
1: you Chandles
2: yeah I mean I was when I was I was three when I was diagnosed and because mine was benign I got to have less invasive treatment I just had the surgery. But the toll it takes on your body, just having a surgery and having someone operate on your brain is is really taxing. And I remember like it taking weeks for me to fully recover. And when I was in and out of hospital all the time, I had a couple of friends who would bring stuff to the hospital for me, or like cards from school, or so similar to Rosie. And that was nice because I think even like the kids who used to like bully me a little bit and stuff or used to find like the little flaws that they used to pick up on. They used to even contribute a little message to the card for that like small moment of time. So you felt a bit more like maybe it's not. I mean, at the time, it still felt like they were just, they were picking on me. But now looking back, I think it's more like they didn't want to care. They just didn't know how to. Because when you're a kid, we talk about the treatments and stuff, for like hearing what Rosie went through as adults, that would be tiring for us. But for a child who's so much less developed, a lot younger and a lot doesn't have the the mind the processing that we have now like to understand what they're going through I think it's so much harder
0: I definitely I definitely feel that um one of the biggest struggles that I had because I then moved to a different school so the school that I was at during the time of my treatment that was a small village school friendly we knew the families in the village it was just like i I don't remember any of that being negative experience um I always remember smiley faces maybe a few slightly unsensitive comments but you can't you can't not expect that from kids but then yes so when I finished in the April 2006 and I started a new school in September so I would just finish treatment then and was only growing my hair back and I think the thing I struggled with was you think other kids are going to understand but they don't and I'm sure you definitely found that throughout all your different stages
2: yeah I think uh, even I struggled to understand what I was going through sometimes. Like you'd be told you're going for a checkup, even though you've had the same checkup like four or five times. By the time that you've been told this message, like going in for routine scans every three months or whatever, but I'd still panic and I still not be sure of what we're actually going through or what's happening. And I'd have to have my mum explain it to me quite regularly. Otherwise, I'd forget. I just wouldn't understand. And that's even the same like at school, like with information and stuff. And where mm. some kids could just pick up things really quickly. I just really struggled.
0: Yeah. And I guess, yeah, like you're saying, you don't really know what you're going through. And especially when you begin to struggle with in education with things like processing and mm. concentration, but you don't really know that you're struggling with those things because you that's what you've always known, I guess. And I think a lot of through the senior school, I didn't really, I think maybe I just switched off in lessons or maybe didn't pay, I didn't hear everything that went on or didn't process things as well and sometimes it doesn't really switch on do you think actually these are real things Mm. i'm gonna learn to develop strategies and ways I can cope with this but I guess there are times when you don't actually realize all the struggles that you do deal with is
1: that a kind of a, a thing that happens you go through treatment as a child you have your surgery and your chemotherapy your radiotherapy you have whatever treatment you know all your friends at school because have they have very limited understanding of of illness as a child they think you're better because you're not in hospital anymore they think you're better and you try to adjust back into normal, air quotes, school life, then you start to notice these all these little things that maybe you're struggling with, but you don't necessarily know whether that's just because that's who you are, or because it's the tumour or the treatment. Is that quite a confusing time?
0: I think you just, it's strange, because you don't get tested straight away for these things. It's not like you have a test for dyslexia and they tell you this is what you you kind of just accept it and you think this is the way i am i'll just get on with it i don't know if this sounds a bit weird but maybe if you haven't had that background but it's almost like because you've already grown up with all the struggles of a brain tumor and you're you're used to it then the after effects you just think that that's part of me anyway that's used to it you just kind of accept it as natural I don't know. What What do you think, Shandos?
2: I think it's just saying, like, you, you develop a sense of who you are, like, based on where you're going, what, in school and in, in life and stuff, and with the treatment. And, like, I found, like, people would, like, test you on that. Like, they'd make you think, is that who I am? Because I'm trying to develop a sense of who, who I am away from my diagnosis and away from, from having this tumour. But they're, like, when they're all developing and going on to do different things throughout school, like and doing really well at like academic stuff and you're really behind and struggling. It makes you think like that self-doubt, am I good enough? Is this, should I be trying harder? Is it me or is it the tumor that's impacting there?
1: Because I guess there's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's not just the tumor, it's all the time you've missed from school because of the tumor as well. So you're having to catch up on all the learning you've missed and also dealing with whatever side effects that you've got from the tumor as well.
2: Yeah, I think like I found like, when I wasn't in hospital, I was at school. I'd forget about the fact that I had a hospital like treatment and stuff, and like I'd just be focused on the here and then. And like I'm like I'm in a lesson, and I'd be struggling, and my mate next to me would be doing really well, and I'd think oh, I'm so stupid, and then forget that I've actually had to have brain surgery, which has impacted on things, and that might be an indicator.
0: When you say uh, that, then I forget that I had brain surgery. That makes me think that back to the kind of like accept you you accept it so the flaws and everything and the the negative effects that it has on you mentally like and your education and your intellectual abilities you you forget that actually I've got through all of this I've had to deal with all of that but you don't you don't think you don't see yourself as it's sometimes it's harder to see yourself as I've got through this, I'm really strong. Like it's it's sometimes hard hard for you to actually come to terms with actually I am brave, I am strong, I've managed to get through that. But it's even hard for me to try and explain it actually. But yeah, I get I I think with school I remember like not really having certain difficulties and learning difficulties diagnosed or um brought to my attention much really until it came to GCSEs I think I do remember like in class just always like when you're told to go and read a you know a few paragraphs or whatever and then the class teacher asks you questions and say oh so what was this person saying or what was the key messages in that or it's almost like I feel I had a mind blank or think like I haven't even started to process the first few sentences or understand what's going on Mm -hmm. how is everyone already there
1: did you feel like a sense of pressure in I should be I should be able to do this now. I should be normal now. I've had you know I've had treatment I'm back at school. Did you feel like there was a sense that not even the people around you, but the you felt you should be able to do this?
0: I don't I don't necessarily think I, I can't remember feeling maybe I did feel like I should be able to do this now. I don't think I felt like that. I think I just it's not like necessarily it might not necessarily be really obvious it might just come across as you being the quiet person in class or you being the person who doesn't really speak much in, up in class or but then actually deep down it's because you're not processing or you're it's a bit harder for you to understand things but maybe you're just accepting it as I don't seem to remember feeling that I should be able to do this but actually When you say, I think it only really, I only really started acting on that properly when obviously eventually with GCSE, I did have a bit of help with um, trying to process it and do that. But then when I um, went to college, because I did, I did a. extended BTEC in art so it was all coursework and it was doing something I really enjoyed but it wasn't any plans thank goodness because there was an opportunity to do this project called an extended project qualification which is a self-directed project I think the equivalent to 1AS or 1A level and I chose to do I, I thought great this sounds really interesting I want to do I want to do it in a, in the subject of dolphins and whales because that's all I was I was so interested and from actually when I was ill with the, my um, treatment I did my own little self-directed project so I thought this is great I can do something other than art like I love I love art and everything but it's nice to do something else when you're doing that the whole time and for one of the training sessions we had or or like learning techniques things and we did a similar thing of reading a paragraph and then highlighting different parts of the sentences in different colors and because I hadn't done that academic stuff in a bit because I in a while because I I wasn't doing that stuff at college I thought I I just remembered how difficult it was and I'm thinking I need I need to do something about this and so actually I, I went to learning support and that that was really like changed everything that was really helpful and they they helped me lots with ways to process and ways to kind of organize things and I am quite like I am I like to do organize stuff and use color coordinating things and everything and do lists I'm quite like that but um, they helped me with disabled students allowance which helped me at university as well so they really helped me with a mentor and lots of like ways to help me with learning
1: did you have a similar experience, Chandos, or was your your route through education different?
2: So I really struggled, and like processing information and stuff was really hard for me. And it still is. Like today, I had to read loads of forms this morning, and it was taking the energy out of me because like trying to process all the information. But when I was at school, like I was so far behind that they like took me out of public school and put me into like a a home school that was like well, I was homeschooled for a short period, and then I went like a like a small school for people who were homeschooled, um, so it was like a mini school in the community, and that was really helpful for me to have that stepping stone back into education. What,
1: what sort of age was that? Was that sort
2: of senior or primary school? It was end of primary school, beginning of high school, like around that period. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of time where I was in a high school, and then I got, I left, and then went back to another high school after being homeschooled. Um, just because I think that transition's quite hard, especially for any young person adding a brain tumour and that's even more difficult. But I think a lot of like myself my self my doubt impacted on my ability to learn and stuff because I think I'd always doubt my capability. So I'd be learning like everyone else and I'd be a bit a bit behind but then I'd be like, I can't do this, like everyone else is gonna do really well and like people would tell you that because like I remember I had my uh, A level no do you see predictions come through and they were like, you're not going to do it. You're going to fail everything. So then that sits in the back of your mind. And like you think, are they saying that because I'm stupid or because I've had this brain tumor and they, they don't see how that I could achieve anything.
1: It's actually really interesting. Do you think that distinction between were they judging you purely on the fact that you had a brain tumor or were they judging mm. you on your academic ability at that point?
2: Yeah, I think. Looking back, I think it was maybe a mixture. I don't really know, but because I'm not them, I've never spoken to the people. But I think also it's that when we see someone whose life has got a diagnosis of a brain tumor or any cancer, to be, especially in childhood, it does change your identity and your sense of who you are and your belonging in the world. And I think as soon as someone questions that and makes you think differently about it, it has repercussions across everything so while I was struggling at school and having self-doubt it then impacted on friendship groups and stuff and as I've got older I found ways of coping and and saying like I'm not great at everything but as long as I know the basics and I can add up a few numbers or I can write a, a simple essay that's gonna get me through to the next stage That and I'm trying my best that's all that really matters because I think
1: Does friendship groups come into, you know, you talked about friendship groups there. Is that difficult when you're going through all of this in school to find your place within friendship groups? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think like I was talking to a friend the other day about it. And like I was saying that like the people who we know in school, we don't speak now, but when you're at school and you're going through something, you're not there for a couple of days, those friendship groups that you had previously will be gone almost or like they'll have formed new friendship groups. So you're trying to fit back into those or like where I've been away for a couple of weeks and then come back and everyone's formed little groups and I'm like where do I fit in where do I go in, in this this in, this in this environment but I had a couple of like core friends who helped me and like I could always like count on them to be around me and again that's happened as I've got older like they're still around like we can not speak for months have a conversation it feels like we've never like stopped talking but I think especially i we've got older and I've learn to manage my own disability and mental health around who I am and separate the two between I'm Chandy and yes I have a disability but it's not everything I am that's helped me to have the confidence to make new friends and stuff and I definitely think that like going back to what I was about earlier like having a brain tumor impacts your sense of like your ability to process information but it also heightens your ability to like have empathy with people and be more resilient and I don't think we're taught that as kids I think we, they forget like they're so focused on the education side of things which is good because everyone needs an education and is entitled to it but being resilient is really important especially as we've learned over the last year like things can change so quickly and impact on everyone's life and to have a break to go through a brain tumor treatment and diagnosis and even after you're through the treatment you've got to be so resilient because you've got to have that strength to keep going and even when times get tough, you've got to just remember that tomorrow is a new day.
1: I'm sure you're nodding your head a lot, Rosie. I can see you kind of, (laughs) that's clearly resonated with you quite a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I definitely kind of, the first thing that kind of, when Shandos was talking about empathy and like, as you grow up, you definitely, even if you don't see friends as much or you have less friends, but you're, you're very picky about who you spend your time with and because obviously socializing it's very it's very exhausting but you you learn who it's worth spending time with who it's worth being friends with I don't know it makes you a bit more picky about your friends and that when you do see your friends even if it's not very often that it really does mean a lot yeah so there was a kind of friendships and as you grow up you you learn who you want to spend your time with and and then there was there's that empathizing but also yeah the resilience that just really kind of um that's quite quite a huge word um and I think this is something that I I was talking about with Sarah about resilience, There's resilience and resilience. So you do develop a lot of resilience uh, when you go through something, whatever experience it is with the brain tumor, and uh, especially like as a child as well. You develop resilience that you you have no aware. You might not even have awareness that you have re- that resilience. But then the other resilience is sometimes like when you feel it's really hard to cope with situations. When you feel like you just maybe feel like you can't cope with stress or you get emotional or you can't deal with arguments or you can't deal with things when you, you know just when sometimes when you might feel that you can't cope you might feel like you're not resilient but mm-hmm. resilient but actually there is resilience there at the same time so that yeah when you said resilience I just strike quite a and there's still resilience I'd like to develop in myself but then um, I probably have got a lot of resilience anyway so yeah. yeah
1: and do you think that as a child you go through something hugely traumatic when you get brain tumor that you don't necessarily have the language for the words for or even the coping strategies to deal with you have to very quickly find ways of processing and coping with something that most adults would not even be able to cope with and would struggle to process but your tiny little child brain has got to somehow make sense of something that is so huge and that you have no frame of reference for how do you think that affects you
2: I think like the tumor came back when I was an adult like I just turned 18 so I was an adult and I think I cope better in some ways, when I was an adult, but also when I was a child, there were certain things like my ability to bounce back and keep going was stronger when I was a kid because you had all that, that energy that you have when you're a kid and you just want to learn, you want to experiment, you just want to experience life. But when I was not like going through treatment at uni, like, I just was tired all the time. And like university drains you anyway, but I found it harder to, to find that willpower and that strength to, to think, I can do this. And there was moments that were really, like, tough and stuff like that. But when you're a kid, I think there's certain things that, like, you don't know what it means. But I think, like, that resilience to keep bouncing back and keep going. People just say, oh, because kids have loads of energy and stuff. But it's also their ability to, like, learn and to want to experiment and just to, like, try new things, which I think is really important when when going through treatment because I think life can become so black and white and so, like, Fixated on the, the four walls of the hospital that you're stuck in, in that hospital room that's really dark and like just whitewashed walls, where it's, it feels like everything is like on top of you. um Especially when you're a kid and you're so small in this big room, surrounded by so many people. Especially when like the voice of you is not heard when everyone around you has seems to have these conversations but forgets you're there sometimes. Not always, but
1: sometimes.
0: What
1: what's your experience with that, Rosie?
0: Yeah, I well. I just thought from what Chandles was saying, I just think, yeah, you talk about coping, how, how you coped as a child. And that made me think, how did I cope as a child? Like if I think of emotionally coping as a child, I can't, I, I can't really put a finger on that. There were probably a lot of ways I cope that I can't remember now. And a lot of ways I cope, which, obviously affect how I cope now and no, no it's all right yeah coping then and now is very different but then it made me think of with Chandos's experience of having the diagnosis so young and coping as a child and then it's so different to how you cope as an adult and almost like is it an advantage not really knowing the reality or not Really realizing how serious the situation is, you were never once. I don't think, as a child, you think of the reality now. It's like you went through a life-threatening experience; you could have died. But I would ne I would have never thought then. I, I don't think I ever really thought that.
1: Did either of you know how serious you, seriously ill you were when you were a child, or do you think that was you were protected from that by your family?
2: I think I was protected a lot. I think I knew a certain amount. But also, I was just like I just wanted to get better. I wanted to be like my mates. I wanted to get to where they were, and I think I was just prepared to do anything, everything to get there. And also, I had a forgetful memory anyway, so like I'd forget information. So I wouldn't. I'd stress because I like I developed OCD, and so I'd worry about things a lot, especially about germs. But that is that's when I was like six. So I guess like as I got older, the more I knew, the more I worried, and the more that things impacted on me. And I think. When I was having my last surgery, like, I wish I knew less because I'd stress less about it. And I think that the fact I didn't know everything when I was a kid, my care was decided by my mum and my family, like, who were helping me and, like, really respecting the the best things, like, getting the best outcomes for me. I think that helped hugely. And I still had that when I got older, but it was more so my decision. I had a, a larger voice, and I think that influenced and impacted things a lot more. What about you, Rosie?
0: supported and protected there was a lot of support family friends I don't I don't think I was ever really yeah maybe exposed to how ill I was or felt like I, I do remember my mum saying to me don't let someone call it cancer or don't I can't remember the exact words but I think all like, I I kind of just referred to it as I've got a lump in my head or I had a lump in my head and the doctors are treat, I'm having treatment and the doctors are making me better. So I don't think I ever really, maybe there was a block, maybe there was a block or a barrier there to how, how ill I was. I don't really, or maybe, maybe if it like tried to creep into my mind, maybe I just blocked it out somehow. And that kind of, maybe, maybe that was part of a child being resilient. I don't know. But then there was a time when you have finished treatment and you think about you or you 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 see other children who were your age when you're diagnosed and you think well I was losing my hair at that age or you you kind of it does make it does stir up it does stir up emotions in you or you think uh I I had a nose at that stage or I I was having chemotherapy treatment or you think about children learning sports and getting, you know, when they start getting stronger and getting interested in activities and there's that loss, there's that gap in your childhood, whichever stage it might be. But then there's a kind of grieving of the childhood, I guess, and I think I'm going off a bit but um, I think
1: it's a really interesting point Rosie because I think there is something about as an adult you look back on childhood experiences and you try to make sense of those childhood experiences you're seeing it through adult eyes but you're remembering it through a child's eyes your memory of it is as a child but you're looking at it as a as an adult and that must be very confusing and like none of us ever think we're as you know as young as we are as we get older we almost can't imagine ourselves being like five six seven eight but then you look at another child that age you think god when i was that age i was having brain surgery like you said rosie i was having having chemo and radiotherapy and losing you know my hair fell out and i was having to go to school and headscarf. and you look at this little person and it's hard to imagine that when you see a child that's a similar age to what what you were when you were treated to look at that person think I was that little Mm -hmm. I was that small and young when this terrible thing was happening to me
0: yeah I think one thing which really does stir things up and did stir things up for me was photographs so for the first time when when i did advert on bbc children need in 2005 it, it was made to look quite it looked quite sad and it was a childhood experience which i didn't i didn't see my which obviously was not my experience but it's how others might see it or it's obviously a completely different perception. But then, when I saw pictures of me with a nose tube and looking so poor, ill, just came out of surgery, that I think things like that really do kind of stir up emotions, particularly when you are twelve or eleven. I have a picture of of me, my brother, and sister in my room, and that that was before I became ill. And it kind of it makes me feel sad looking at that because I miss. I miss that person so it, it's like that that loss of childhood but then if someone said to you who didn't know your background experience if someone said to you and and this comes up a lot in conversations in normal conversations like what were you like as a child I think a lot of people who've been through an injury experience maybe wouldn't know how to answer it or well actually what, what was my childhood
1: that's a really really interesting yeah, very interesting point because it is something that comes up. What were you like as a child? And you've almost got two, you've got like two separate childhoods, haven't you? You've got the childhood pre-diagnosis and then you've got your child. It's like you could definitely draw a line in the sand. How about you, Chandos?
2: Yeah, I think I had two different things and I tried to, like with my fundraising and stuff when I was going up, because I just wanted to bridge that gap between the two. Like I wanted people to have and understanding what it was like to be a kid going through that. And also wanted to give myself the confidence that like, yeah, I can get better. I can live well with my diagnosis. I don't think I knew that at the time. I think I just wanted to get better. I wanted to be someone stronger than I was. But I think as I got older, that understanding and that, that ability to see that like the fact that I've lived through that is something to be proud of because I've come to the other side. I'm still not 100% better or like like everyone else in brackets. But I'm living well and I'm doing the best I can. And that's what really matters.
1: I think that's a really important thing to remember is that we're all individuals. and We all, you know, have to measure ourselves against ourselves and not other people because it's very easy to look at other people
0: and think I should be where they are. I think, Chandos, when you said, I just wanted to get better, that I think I definitely remember feeling that like, oh, i can't wait to finish my treatment i just want to get better i i am i'm good the doctors are making better i am going to get better i just want to get better but as a child you don't realize that when when you say better and then it goes back to a year after your treatment three years after your treatment five years after your treatment it's not like it disappears it's not like your experience of of treatment disappears it's different for everyone um but all the effects it's had on you they don't disappear Mm -hmm. so there's uh I just wanted to get better and then there's the coming to terms with new things you might experience or new obstacles that you're faced with and you're like where did that come from or what how does that link or why does it affect me like that why am I like that Why am I different in that way?
1: As you're getting older, do you discover new things? From a child getting a diagnosis, you're constantly having new experiences, aren't you, as you go through life, like leaving school, getting a job. As you go through life, are you learning more and more about ways that you didn't know you've been affected?
0: Yeah. Also, brain tumours affect everyone in so many different ways. It's unbelievable to think about. All the different effects it can have on people—physical, emotional, mental, intellectual—it's it, crazy. Like, to even imagine all the different effects. But yeah, so when you when you have that, when there's that in hospital treatment, surgery whatever it is you you don't get told what's how it's going to affect you you don't get told that there are these long time it's like you kind of discover and learn for yourself and then you develop strategies and and then there's the comparison and the acceptance and you want to be able to do things but actually then realize that things are harder things might be harder there might be more more hurdles and then there's the acceptance like oh kind of comparing yourself to others. Chandos you is not nodding
1: his head <laughs> frantically though. Did you want to add to that, Chandos?
2: No, I think crazy said it all.
1: Did either of you have teachers that you might have had previously and you know to your team judged you or treated you differently?
0: I don't remember there being ever surprise. I think the teachers that I had dealt with it really, really well and amazingly. And I think at both schools they did. Um, I think in the second school, it was more the other students in the school that I struggled with. I think the teachers in my secondary school, I think they kind of, I think if I did struggle with things or, I don't remember feeling judged or not trying as hard. I don't remember that. But I think, yeah, when it goes back to coming into school with a nose tube or coming into school with a bandana, I think the teachers cope, cope with that really well. The school cope with that really well and I think obviously the teachers have to say to the children when Rosie comes in Rosie, Rosie's been poorly she's been in hospital for a bit like she's going to look different because they have to prepare the children as well but I don't remember them ever being surprised or yeah I was made to feel comfortable what was it like for you Chandra?
2: I think the majority of the teachers were all right, but there was a couple, like, I knew what I was being bullied because of how I looked and, like, my appearance and, like, my walk and stuff was changing and people could pick up on that. And, like, the when the kids would be bullying me and stuff, the I remember the one head teacher we had was saying that, like, oh, it's just kids being kids. And I was like, that's, like, te- that's, like, a head teacher teacher sort of, like, going against everything that everyone else is saying, like, all the teachers were trying their best to help but his approach was completely different and completely wrong. But, I mean, like, when I was in high school and stuff, there was a couple of moments where there was little things that, like, teachers would say things, and I'd be like, do you really understand what, what's happening or whatever? Not just for me, but for other people around me with disabilities or with mental health conditions that were affecting their mind and their, their brain processing. But I think the large majority of, of teachers and, like, professionals have been really good. That's,
1: that's something, but I know it's it's definitely an area where... People have very varied experiences of that, which is a real shame. We're going to be doing some young adult and children and family surveys to try and find out a little bit about what people think of our service at the moment, what they would like from us moving forward. Um, In the past, we have done young adult surveys. We've done two in the past when we first set up the young adult service. We've never actually gone out to people about our children and family service, but we feel that with the impact of covid that now would be a really good opportunity for us to go out to people and find out a little bit more about what people think of our services, what people want from our service moving forward, to help to shape our services. And I know that both of you guys have accessed our services in the past. I know, Chandos, you've you've used our young adult service in the past. What, what parts of the service have you accessed up until now and what do you think moving forward have you got any ideas
2: moving forward so i've obviously accessed the ambassador young ambassador program and the support that's offered through that and been some of the family days and stuff with my own family and my friends and stuff to kind of gain confidence and to meet other people with a, a brain tumour diagnosis and i guess it's just been really helpful to meet people who've gone through similar things yeah a whole range of things really like just the support that's on offer through the helplines and stuff like that as well when i've been needing that additional support and like guidance.
1: Thanks, John. And so, Rosie, you've had similar, haven't you? I know that you were involved with the charity before it even became the Brain Tumor Charity and you've attended Family Days um, as part of your role with the Young Ambassadors, but you've also um, been part of the Young Adult Service. And moving forward, what sort of things do you think in the post-COVID world? I
0: think it's very um, personal preference, really, or dependent on everyone's how their emotional state or physical state or what, what they can and can't do. But I definitely I definitely feel from my experience being able to meet up with people and interact with people that has been a highlight, being able to see other people. But I definitely can see that for some people it might be a bit tiring or a bit full on and and obviously having the um, the online chats and everything bought online recently has been easier for some people due to not having to travel as far you know not it's not as tiring so I think I think it's very much the balance between and the impact it has on your mental health being able to interact with people face to face but then also like how it impacts you physically whether it's too much or too much too exhausting
1: yeah, and that's why it's really important for us because you're right, it's very individual to people and the more people we can get to fill out these surveys, the better idea we'll have of what moving forward the service will look like. If people out there are listening to this, then it'd be really important for you to just click on the link we'll put in the show notes so that people can access the surveys and really tell us what you want from service, what's good, what's bad, what we can do better or any suggestions that we can take moving forward you know, this is your service. Children, families and young adults' services are here for you. And that's what we want to create a service that not a service that we think you want, but a service that, that you actually do want and does meet your needs. So thank you very much, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. If you'd like more information, you can visit our website at thebraintumorcharity.org or email our support team at support at And finally, before you go, if you enjoyed this podcast, please can you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so we can reach more people and raise more awareness.
0: Tamzin, and I work in the individual giving team at the Brain Tumor Charity. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with a brain tumour and are worried about your finances, the Brain Tumor Charity's Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, run in partnership with the Citizens Advice, is here to help you. Our expert advisors can help you access the financial support you're entitled to, as well as give advice on how to make the most of your money. To make an appointment with our Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, visit our website at org slash money or call our support team on 0808 800 000 0004.